Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast in association with Acorns Children's Hospice. Cole Petham here as always. And of course, we're here to talk all things Aston Villa with Villa losing 1-1 or 2-1 on penalties, I guess you could say, to Chelsea in the third round of the Carabao Cup at Stamford Bridge. Um, a result really that you'd have to look at it and sit back and say, you know what, you can be a very proud Villa fan with the amount of youth and uh, exciting talent that were on feature today. A few kind of concerns with the injury bug, but always to be a Villa fan this season with the injury bug. But nonetheless, it's not just me here. If you, if it was, it'd probably be a little bit depressing after it lost. But of course, we have Sebastian Bacon here and Tom Nightingale as well. So I'll go to Tom first. Tom, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad, really. Um, I thought Villa were putting in a tremendous account of themselves today. Um, I know it wasn't Chelsea's first team, but to go toe-to-toe with them, I thought we had the better of the chances in the first half. Um, and so to go toe-to-toe with them for like 90, 95 minutes, they have they have to resort to bringing Lukaku, Mason Mount, Ross Barkley um, off the bench to try and win the game. Um, and they still can't, you know, they still can't beat us. And then you go into the lottery, the penalty shootout. I don't know. You can't be too disappointed. I mean, I'm sure some people can be, but I, I don't think you can be too disappointed with that, really. Um, it's one of those that there's so many positives to take moving forward, I think. Um, it's just a shame that the cup run has to end slightly earlier this year or a lot earlier this year. Absolutely. Well, to be fair, I think we were lost at this kind of point last season to Stoke. So, um, you know what? It is what it is. Um top six is on the cards now at least or at least we'll win the FA Cup as most people kind of try to take some kind of positive spin on this one but Seb how's it going with you? Yeah it was actually a really exciting game to watch I think Cameron Archer's goal a brilliantly taken finish Um, yeah like Tom said there's many positives to take but it's never nice to exit a cup competition is it? No, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. I think I've only seen Villa get to two cup finals in my life and they've lost both. Um, So it is what it is. Um, That being the smashing against Arsenal and of course the last season against Man City. But uh, oh, well, you know what? It is what it is. Um, Maybe it's a little bit more sour for some Villa fans now when they look at the draw and you see that Chelsea have now gotten Southampton and of course West Ham, uh, beat United of course and now they face Man City but knowing our luck we would have had to face Man City they would have just put that kind of uh, story with Grealish right in that and it would have just been off to the races in terms of media day on that one I'm sure on that but anyways let's dive into this one of course goals from Timo Werner in the 54th minute and of course Cameron Archer getting his uh, I think this is his fourth in the cup already um, on the 64th minute with a beautiful ball from Matty Cash. Chelsea, of course, winning 4-3 on penalties. And I don't know, guys, where do you want to start on this one? Maybe we actually we could do this in reverse. I would like to maybe start on the penalties first. And maybe that's a weird place to start. But 
I want to get the one negative if I had one today, and maybe that was penalty selection. Um, I love Marvelous Nakamba. I love him very much. But why is that man taking a penalty? And Tom, I'm going to throw you right under the bus. What were your thoughts on the penalties and who was taking them in particular? I mean, I've seen, I, I saw something on the uh, the wonder that is social media immediately after the game. I, I saw a couple of fans um, calling out 19-year-old goal scorer Cameron Archer for not stepping up to take a penalty in the shootout. I mean, I agree, like Nakamba wouldn't be high on my list of of, of penalty takers in a shootout but I think probably a large part of it I was feeling a bit concerned when we were it looked like we were going to head towards the penalty shootout because of the number of sort of kids that we had had on the pitch you know we had Carney on the pitch we had Archer on the pitch we had JPB on the pitch and I so I think a fair amount of it honestly is protecting those kids because I mean we saw from the Euros final with England um, the kind of Okay, that was a much bigger occasion, obviously, and with a, with a much larger media spotlight. But we've seen the um, stigma, I suppose, or the the backlash that can come from missing crucial penalties. And for kids like that, it's a it's a heavy, heavy weight to have on your shoulders as a nineteen year old, a twenty year old, a seventeen year old. You know, however old you are. Um, so you know, I'm not. I I, I don't necessarily subscribe to the belief that you should analyze penalty shootouts too much because I do think it is pretty much a lottery like we all knew that Anwar El Ghazi was going to convert his ice cold like that was a given we were one nil up as soon as I saw him step up um concert with an excellent one I think as well um the main disappointment for me I think from the shootout was that I felt that Jed Steer for all of the heroics we saw against West Brom obviously like we won we won the penalty shootout that matters most, I will say, in the, in the last few years. But I thought Steer was showing himself a bit early with, you know, which way he was going to go. But I mean, I don't, I'm overanalyzing it when I said I wouldn't want to. I, I just, it's it's a lottery. And at the end of the day, it would have been a, a much worse in my book had that horrible bounce off Axel to Anzebi gone in to the goal in injury time. That would have been a much worse way to lose a game that we did not deserve to lose. Yeah, 100%, because then we'd be sat here going, well, if we went to penalties, then we probably could have won. But yeah, no, last five minutes was um, nervous, to say the least. On to the penalties. I think it's a really difficult one. I think Smith is put in a lose-lose situation here because you either play the experienced players and they miss, which is what happened on this occasion, and you're going, well, Archer scored, he looked ready, Chuck Wameka ran the show, so could he have stepped up? then if he plays them and they miss like Tom said then you know the backlash could be even worse than than what it was tonight and I don't think it's been that bad tonight I think people have appreciated how well we played and the fact that in two games against Chelsea we've probably been the better side on three out of four halves of football so look there's positives to come and again touching on steer I'm not I'm not in a position to moan at goalkeepers in a penalty shootout I think you know they have it the hardest and if we were to save one perfect it would have gone to sudden death but it wasn't to be on this occasion it's not like Chelsea's penalties were bad but you know if we analyse it too much as Tom said then we'll be stuck about on ifs buts and maybes for the rest of the evening probably um, like with the with the kids as well just one other thing is that you know like with Cameron Arch as a great example like what we're doing here is we're bedding him into the team 
giving him that confidence. He's grabbing his chances with both hands, Carney as well, like uh, Philogene Bidais. They are all, every time they play, they look like they are settling into the team and they're gaining confidence. Like, do you really want to throw them up in a penalty shootout and present them with the very real risk of burning that confidence to the ground and having to start over again? Like, it's not, for me, it's not worth it. I know that Nakamba, nobody would consider him a penalty expert, but if Nakamba misses, you imagine it's not going to be such a crushing blow as it would be for like a teenager who is building their way up, you know? One good thing I'd take from this and one crucial point I'd take from this is I don't want this to be the last we see of Cameron Archer in and around the first team until the FA Cup. I think the FA Cup starts in January, but you know, Archer's proved that he's a proven goal scorer. If he can get on the bench and get some Premier League minutes under his belt, that will only help him in the long run. Same as Chuck Wameka, Philogene Bidas. I think these players could cause some Premier League teams some trouble and it gives us another option while star injuries are piling up by the day, it seems, as our hamstrings are made of poppadoms. You know, it's nice to have a youth selection that is genuinely capable of stepping up and competing because Ings and Watkins are right there probably in the team, but they've got to be looking at Archer and going, well, hold on, if we don't perform, we could get taken out for Archer. He's proved it on occasions against you know the champions of Europe and um, Barrow that he can he can score goals consistently Uh, I think it's four goals in two games so it's not like it's going to be a comfortable ride for those two and I hope he gets in and amongst the first team more I can say one thing guys when Chelsea draw Barrow in the first round that they're going to be in they better watch out because they're going to get absolutely smashed and then it all comes full circle and we feel better only kidding but to be honest, you have to look at someone like Cameron Archer, in my opinion, and the runs that he makes are so smart for someone of his age. And to be honest, I don't really think you could tell the difference between the runs that he would make or Ings or Watkins, to be honest. They're that purposeful. They're that direct and they have an instant impact. And of course, he could have had two goals himself in the first half. And it's really it's not crazy to say we could have easily been up two nil in the first half. And to be honest, I thought we really took it to them. When it mattered most, of course, Chelsea, it's Chelsea. They're going to have times when they dominate the ball. And I can see why some people get a little annoyed with that and think, okay, some of that kind of uh, shakiness can kind of creep in again. But the one thing I've noticed, especially last season and this season in particular, and the best thing about kind of embedding these youngsters in is we're having more ebbs and flows of the game rather than, okay, let's hold on for it and hopefully nick one thing. We're taking it two teams. And I think really the next step is to finish more of those chances. And the one thing I did want to kind of bring out when you look at your archers, Philogene Bidases, Chakwamekas, et cetera, et cetera, is these are arguably the players that you're going to look to and hopefully, uh, well, I mean, you'd hope they probably feature every season from now on, but, realistically in the next two three four seasons these are probably the players that are going to replace your Buendia's eventually your Leon Bailey's of this world not not particularly in those positions obviously but those calibers we're putting players and embedding them through our youth academy so we don't have to spend 30 40 50 million every time to replace one player so I think kind of bringing them in gently allowing them to kind of get into big game atmospheres at Chelsea in a cup it's just in, in my opinion, just as important as kind of going into a Premier League game against 
anybody else in my opinion but tom do you have anything to add on to that it's just, like with the the team selection today like it's very i've seen a pretty even split between people being happy with the team nice mixture of experience and youth and and then there's people who i understand the the, the call to play your strongest team and to go for it because cup competition might be our best chance of getting into europe or whatever but then you can't have it both ways right those would be a lot of those people would be the people who are would be shouting that people like Archer, Chuck Rumaker, Village Imbides aren't getting the chances. And I mean, after what Archer did in the last round, okay, it was only Barrow, but who, you know, how does the coaching staff then turn around and say to him, sorry, no, we're not going to get any Premier League minutes for the foreseeable future. And, you know, we're also not going to get the cut minutes. Like you have to continue this. Villa have, are in a great position at the moment where you have like a conveyor belt of talent, I would say, coming through. I've never known anything like it as a Villa fan. Like these are the kids who were in the under-23s last year and now they're playing at the home of the European champions. Okay, Chuck and, and uh, Phyllis Jimbides only came off the bench, but I thought they, they both looked pretty good when they came on. When they came on. Um, and, you know, if you've got kids coming off the bench and looking at ease and looking more at ease every time they play, then I it, it's that is what makes me most excited about the future of our club. It's not spending, you know, 30 million on another midfielder. Like it's a good example that like you were saying about filling the value, like Jacob Ramsey. If we'd have signed a midfielder this summer, I know Ramsey didn't play today, but we, if we'd have signed a midfielder this summer for 30 million, who looks how Ramsey has looked in his last few games, we would be hailing that as an incredible signing. We have these players in the making. It's then just a question of do you spend the time on them and develop them or do you try to fill your first team with immediate stars and therefore shut the door in the face of the youth players? Yeah, massively. Like, it, it, it's a tricky one because, like, I mean, and this is kind of going off just from the Chelsea result, but, like, we're never really going to please everybody. Like, eventually, someone's everyone wants that £100 million player. Of course they do. But at the end of the day, you have arguably especially this season what at least four or five um youth products that have come through the academy or of course have been purchased to kind of slot into it at some point and you know what it's working to a treat i know there's going to be misses there's always there always is not everyone's a hit i think right now we're just going through a lot of hits right now so um at the end of the day i mean you look at this result and you look at the Chelsea side they put out, you look at uh, Saul, um, they had to bring on Lukaku. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on. You, you still had to think hudson Adoy out there as well. Um, Chelsea's second side is a probably at least a mid-table Premier League side, you'd have to say, on a good day. I mean, Kepa aside, no offense, I don't still rate them. Um, but regardless of that, you're looking at 18, 19-year-olds that are going toe-to-toe with arguably some of the best in Europe and the European champions of last year. So I think we all have to kind of take that into context. And I mean, it's mental to think that you have what Cameron Archer's 18 years old and he's going up against European champions and succeeding. And that was one hell of a header and even better ball. And you know what? It's, it's crazy to say, to be honest, if he hit all his targets, it would have been a second hat trick and a second EFL cup game, which is mental to have to say the least. So I think what we're getting at is uh, young Cameron Archer has one hell of a future as long or as well as I should say, as the other um, young prospects that we've kind of been rambling on about for the last uh, few minutes. But uh, 
to get back into the game and to let Seb actually talk, because I know he loves to have a little bit of a chit chat. Seb, if you're going to look at, and I know I think maybe Danny was saying this in our group chat, and maybe the one or two players that kind of let us down today, was there any that kind of stood out for you? Maybe as kind of another negative we can kind of look at to maybe appease some of the fan base that aren't happy? Probably our most experienced players on the pitch. I think Young struggled today, but he was up against Hudson Adoy for majority of the game, and Hudson Adoy probably got the better of him on majority of occasions. Just his raw pace alone was enough to cause Young problems. But touching back on the youngsters quickly, and I'm I'm going to put a dampener on things here. But it's it's so important to not put too much pressure on them because you've seen it before of teams have an influx of youngsters come through and, you know, pressure gets put on them and it's almost like they're going to succeed 100% and anything else is a failure. You know, some of the lads that are shining at the moment won't make it for the Villa first team and they'll be released and it will end in heartbreak for them and they'll go and ply their trade in the championship or in League One and probably do very well. But it's just important to not apply so much pressure on them, which is what I think Dean Smith handles brilliantly. I think he knows how to get the best out of young players and how to work them into the team without overwhelming them almost. But yeah, going back to your point, probably the most experienced players on the pitch today that let us down. Yeah, no, and I mean, I think I said this in our group chat too. You'd probably look at El Ghazi maybe, and Ashley Young is probably the two if you're going to say. And realistically, they're probably some of the players that may not even be around at the start of next season. You would probably say Ashley Young because of his age. Who knows? And El Ghazi just kind of seems like at this point he's a backup that how long is he going to be really happy with that? So we'll have to wait and see, and that's a whole different topic. But then again, it's players that are stepping up to the plate where, okay, maybe player A and player B had a poor game, but you look at some of the other players and they just take the light right off of them. And you maybe kind of, it kind of hides some of that insecurity and some of the cracks. And I mean, every side's always going to have cracks, unfortunately, um, unless you're Man City and you just try to spend a hundred million on every player. I'm still not better, but regardless, um, Tom, do you have anything to say? Cause I'm running out of things to say. <laughs> I think touching on, Talking about the players' performances, and because uh, Seb mentioned Dean Smith, like one thing I think games like today really show: uh, a, it's we, you know we're hailing like Chuck Rumaker and Philogene Badesa, like the, the talents that they they clearly seem to be. And I agree completely with Seb; you don't want to put too much pressure on these players. But how amazing is it now that we're in a position where they were on? They're on the okay. I know Buendia played today, and you'd like to you'd like to think he's in our first team, you know, when he's fully fit and he's been playing, but like. Chukwu Maker and Philogene Bidace, two of our biggest talents, like on the bench for our second team. Like that's how deep our team is. Like, but Bertrand Traore, for example, today playing um, with Bailey. Sounds like Bailey's going to be absent at United. I would love to see Bertrand Traore start at Old Trafford. I thought he was really, I thought he was really good today, and I, I obviously can be a bit hit and miss. Um, but he looks like he's got a point to prove, and he's keen to, you know, really compete for that starting place. And that is what. A, you really want to see as a fan. And also it's what I really feel Villa haven't really had that for a while or certainly not to the same extent that we have now. Um, And so that competition for places is just fantastic. And I think part of that has to go down to, 
Dean Smith and the coaching staff, because I think most of the players who started today um, have improved significantly, tangibly since they joined us, or at least, you know, in the last sort of 18 to 24 months. And you have to give credit there, I think, to the coaching staff. Players like Courtney, Courtney Hawes in defence, I thought was colossal today. Um, even when Lukaku came on, I thought he was excellent. Tuanzebi was excellent. I know he hasn't been here. He's been back at United for a bit, but he looks, I thought he was a bit rusty in the league game at Stamford Bridge, but I thought he was excellent today. Um, even but like players like Bertrand Traore have improved a lot since we were first seeing them, you know, in their first months. And obviously part of that is just settling in, but a lot, you have to give credit to the coaching staff where credit is due, I think. And it's that, uh, I really feel like with Villa these days, we're playing the long game both in terms of youth and also in just building up the, the members of our squad, even the ones who aren't the nailed on starters every week, like you'd consider like an Ollie Watkins to be or a Tyrone Mings to be. Even these fringe squad players, you can tell that we're a club who cares about improving every member of the squad. And I really think today, games like today, it shines through. Massively. I mean, if you look at the squad that featured last year, um, what, Lansbury, um, Taylor, I love Elmo, but you have to kind of throw him in there as well. But, uh, oh, sorry, Tom, I, I thought you were going to say something. I agree. I was going to say, you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned Henry Lansbury, just because you mentioned him. How cursed is Villa's number eight shirt? What is yeah. going on? What are we uh, going to do about this, boys? Because we've had the last the last good number eight Villa I've had was Adrissa Gay in the year that we went down, and he was like probably our standout performer in midfield the year that we got relegated. And since then, it's been, you know, Aaron Tishabola. Uh, Tom Carroll on loan, I believe, Henry Lansbury, and now Morgan can't string any minutes together. Samson, like this, this is a this is a, an issue. Let's retire the number eight. We can do we can do like a nine plus. We can do a you know a seven plus one, whatever on the shirt. Yeah, I was I, I was thinking actually instead of doing that, you could give him the eight, but like every time, just put like a little piece of tape or an extra print that says like minus. 0.5 or something so he's like seven and a half or something i don't know just it, something to redo the hoodoo you boys are really over confusing it why not just give him a completely different number that's true yeah that's it that's what we should do yeah yeah but <laughs> i don't know maybe he really likes the number eight but anyways <laughs> so but, I've, uh, I've i just to, seriously to touch on sanson i feel so bad for that lad like i thought he looked really really classy in the first half was really slotting him well. And you were thinking, hey, you know, if we can keep him fit and give him more minutes, then if you look at having Louise McGinn, JJ Ramsey, Nakamba and Sanson as, and Chuck Rumaker as your central midfield options, that is a stacked central midfield um, yeah. for a mid-table to hopefully pushing for Europe team. Ah, it's, it's, just... it's, it's fun having a decent side, to be honest. I, I don't know if I've <laughs> ever seen this and it's been a long time. Um, I mean, I come from the days of... Uh, McLeish and Lambert and somehow I still like this team so uh, regardless of that it's a miracle uh, but guys let's get over to some three word reviews on Twitter so of course after every game or I try every game I should say because sometimes I forget I go on Twitter and ask you guys for some three word summaries or reviews on every game uh, so thank you to I think there's nearly 50 of you that I got involved so far um, literally right after the game so many were coming in so it's great to see support um, I'll just read out a few now so Josh Burley saying future is bright and all caps uh, Jesse Campbell uh, Cameron effing 
Archer, uh, Joe Brown. Um, that's not three words. Sorry, I was going to read that. <laughs> Rich AVFC saying squad much stronger. Uh, Tom Holder, strength and depth. Uh, we'll read two more out here. Luke Frost, gutted, so unlucky. And uh, we'll finish with George Templeton saying gutted, but proud. And that's probably the best way to sum that up. And uh, we're going to talk about United here in a, a brief moment. But before that, guys, I want to get your man of the matches. So, Tom, I'll throw it to you. Put you right under the uh, the pressure hot seat, whatever you want to call it, to put you under the, the hot, hot heat of what the whole cast means. So who was your man of the match? Straight in, eh? Um I thought going, there's a few. If I had to pick and not ramble on, I would probably pick, with shouts to Cameron Archer, I would I would probably pick Bertrand Troyore until he went off. I have to say, I thought he was a real hub of attacking creativity for us. And it's that with Troyore, you never quite know what you're going to get. Um, but when he's, you know, when he's running, at the, when he's running with the ball at his feet and he's on it and it comes off and doesn't end in the ball sort of drifting out of play, then he is quite the... He's quite the proposition, I think. Um, and I, like I said, I'd love to see him. I'd love to see him get a start at Old Trafford on Saturday. I think if we're going to try and take the game to United. Yeah, massively. Um, I, I can't wait until we're, uh, we'll say we're one nil up. Um, we're kind of just holding all things back, defending to to the ninth degree. Ronaldo decides that he's going to actually try to defend a last ditch cha- uh, tackle because we're on the break to make it two nil. And then Traore nutmegs and makes it two nil. Um, I foresee the future, but anyways, that's probably the most creative I've ever been with a goal, but Seb, who was your man of the match? Yeah. Like Tom said, I mean, I don't want to ramble on too much, but there's a few in there with shouts, Traore, Sanson, obviously until he came off Archer, just purely for the incredible header he got. And then I think shouts between house and Twanzebe. I think they marshaled Werner very, very well. You know, he, for all people say about his misfortune in front of goal, he's a very good striker and a very quick one and can easily cause the defence problems. Not only that, they bullied Lukaku when he came on as well. They made it, they pushed him out and they didn't really give him a sniff. And I can't remember which one it was. I think it was House who made the last ditch tackle on Lukaku when he was one-on-one with Jed Steer. I can't remember who it was, but Whoever that was, I'll give my man of the match to. So we can always probably look back and change. <laughs> yeah, TBD on that one. I think it is Haas, but it's either him or Tuan Zebe. I know it wasn't Konza for sure. But um, if I was going to give an honorary one, it has to be for Dean Smith for changing the formation as soon as Lukaku came on. Um, to be honest, I can't remember how many times Villa have changed formation probably past halftime. And it's actually done something positive. So uh Fair play to him for doing that. It's showing that we actually have options and uh, some tactical prowess. So thank God for that. Um, and we're not parking the bus against a team like Man City anymore, which is very nice to see. I mean, to be determined. But anyways, um, I'm going to have to give mine to Cameron Archer. I mean, I think we've kind of it's kind of the Cameron Archer fan club right now for this episode. Maybe that'll be a good title. But I mean, to kind of impact the game the way he did the bullet header. Um, the chances he had in the first half. And like I said before, just the runs and the options and just kind of creating space with the movement he was making. I, I think uh, for someone his age going up against Chelsea and being away at Stanford Bridge, it's uh, it's definitely a good start. Um, and hopefully that's kind of a thing that you would long continue with. But uh, anyways, guys, let's briefly touch on um, United here. 
Um, they just lost in the cup one nil to West Ham. So Seb, I'll, I'll pass it to you. Does that mean they're going to take it out on us? <laughs> yes. 100%. I don't think, I think I mentioned this before. I don't think I've ever seen Villa beat United in my lifetime. So, I mean, you've got to start somewhere, right? You know, no better than Ronaldo's return to Old Trafford. If we could put a little dampener in their title hopes, then I wouldn't be one to complain. But look, I can't see it happening. United probably the biggest bogey team Villa have right now. Any, However we play, regardless of how good we are, they always seem to get a result against us. With Mike Dean being the referee, it'll be interesting to see how many penalties Bruno and Ronaldo fight over. You know, it could be a hat-trick of penalties and I wish I was joking. But yeah, no, it's going to be a difficult occasion. Old Trafford's rocking right now, obviously not tonight because they got knocked out of the cup. But league-wise, Old Trafford is rocking. The fans seem to be getting behind the team and it's a very, very difficult place to go. Listen, like if Mike Mike Dean is ref, everyone likes to talk about how he likes to make things about himself. May I offer a piece of advice to Mike Dean? Like, if you really want to make the game about yourself on Saturday, the best thing to do would be to deny Ronaldo and Bruno Fernandes all of their penalties and give two, maybe three to us. That'd be my that'd be my recommendation to Mike if you're listening. Thanks. <laughs> well, <laughs> there you go. Um, I, I don't know. It's it's a tough one, and I mean, it, it's kind of weird. I feel more confident going away to United than I do them coming to us because. For some reason, it seems like we play them better away than we do at home. At least I can think from memory. At least it's a little bit closer. Um, and I think we drew against them away not too long. Was it the first season back? I'm pretty sure, if I'm thinking correctly. When Grealish, yeah, I think so. yeah when Grealish scored that screamer, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So he's been brought up twice already today. We'll see if that happens still in a year, probably. But regardless, um, it, it's a tough one, and I think it's one of those things where you have to look at it too and say is this team going to be as resolute as it was against Everton? I think, to be honest, I think if we stick to that game plan, we're going to make it very difficult for them. And I I would assume we're going to play three at the back. You look at Matty Cash, he went off relatively early in the second. Um, players were kind of being subbed off here and there, and you kind of have to think a lot of those were in mind. And I think that kind of falls into the thing where some people are wondering why you don't have Ings or even Watkins on the bench. And to be honest, I kind of like that in the sense that we almost go into United fresh, all guns blazing, and we can kind of put two sides in different mindsets. And you know what? You got Buendia Fitness, so he kind of come. You can come in as an option. But to be honest, I look at the the side that we put out against Everton. I don't know, guys, if you would really change anybody. Mm. Tom, how do you feel? Well, I mean, I know I was saying earlier about like I would like to see Bertie Traore given the start, but like the problem is if you're gonna. I think Traore, if he starts, he's going to start as a winger. Like there's been some talk of maybe seeing him as like a number 10, but I don't really think we're going to see that very, very you know, very soon. Um, so then if you play Traore, you have to play another winger. And if you're going to play two wingers, you can't play five at the back, really. And you're also knocking yourself down to two-man midfield, probably. I would say that given how recent games have gone, a better bet would be to probably stick with the five at the back, have Matty Cash or the Polish Cafu, as I believe he was dubbed at Stamford Bridge today, bombing down the right. And then based on tonight, you just, you swap Courtney in for Axel at the back because obviously Tuanzebe can't play. Um, and then you have the three in midfield, which again, for me is probably going to be McGinn, Louise, 
and Ramsey. I think that's been an excellent trio for us in recent weeks. Um, Watkins and Ings, we've said before on this podcast, add a lot of dynamism up front, drifting wide, support play. Like they, they, they between the two of them, they do a lot. Um, so I think as much as I was going on earlier about Triore starting, I sort of don't really see how you do that without really upsetting the apple cart. And I'm not sure that's really the best thing to do uh, going into Old Trafford when you've played five at the back the last couple of league games and it's generally worked pretty well. Um, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, well, the one thing too, is if you're going to play with wingers, um, Bailey's most definitely out, which is probably the biggest shame. And I was saying to you guys in the chat, I feel like he's going to be one of those players that like, He'll come on for spurts throughout the season and do well, but then he'll be gone in a year and somehow healthy for whoever he plays for next. It just feels like one of those. You have to kind of enjoy him while he's here. But um, yeah, if you're going to play with wingers, then you're going to have to go with El Ghazi. And to be honest, I love I love Anwar. He does have his games. I don't know if you do that away against United. But to be fair, though, if we do somehow get a penalty, it does maybe pay. I don't know. It's... It's a gamble either way, but Seb, how does it all break down for you? Yeah, look, I think Tom's right. We we hit a snag at Everton with a five at the back and it really worked. So I don't think you change that. Plus, obviously, adding in, you know, the fact that they have the attacking prowess of Greenwood, Ronaldo, Pogba, Fernandez, all who have very good goal scoring records against us in particular. I think a three man midfield is vital without wingers because ultimately that's where the game will be won and lost for each team is in midfield. If we can break through that, then I think we have a good chance of getting through their defence. However, it's just about how we keep out their midfield, which I think will be more crucial for us than anything going forward. Massively. So I guess if we're going to, actually before we wrap things up, I should say, I don't know how confident we all feel. I don't know if Seb was listing off a bunch of players and I felt less confident as the names are rolling out. So Seb, I'll throw it right back to you. Give me a score prediction. Um, I hate to be all doom and gloom, but 3-0 United. Tom? 3-1 United. Uh, Ronaldo's going to score at least once. Let's just be realistic about that. Um, I think we'll score. I think I do think we'll score. I think we um I think we've been showing enough, even with Bailey out, like I, Watkins and Ings are clearly getting a feel for playing for each other, playing with each other. Um so I think uh we'll probably score, but it's gonna be three one, I think, to United. Um I feel like I should say three two United just to have the score keep marginally going up. But uh see, I, I'm in a predicament. My heart says two one villa. But knowing how it's going to go, we're going to score the first goal early. Then United's going to get a penalty in about the 70th minute. And then it's all just going to go absolutely kind of um, up the creek from there, I guess you could say in polite terms. Um, Yeah, unfortunately, I'm going to have to probably go with, I'll go 2-1 United, unfortunately. We just, we don't have things. We don't have nice things when we play United usually. Um, But who knows? Um, Other teams have beaten them. I, I can think of, West Brom several seasons ago. I can think of Newcastle. Um, I think it was in the last couple seasons, I think. Um, so you, you never know. We're going to have our day eventually. Um, I don't think they can beat us forever, um, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, if you guys don't have anything else, Tom and Seb, we'll, uh, we'll wrap things up. I think the only thing that I would say is like with the, 
I think we've got to take the good moments as they come, right? So like today, today Chelsea, it's disappointing the way it's worked out, whatever. But you think about like the Louis Barry goal against Liverpool in the FA Cup um, last year. That was a really isolated moment in time where we played. We had had to, had to play a team of kids because of the situation, and Louis Barry scored, and it was like it was an incredible moment. Now I feel like with our youth team with our youth players and the production line we have, we're getting those moments, if not week by week, then certainly month by month. Like with Chuck Wumaker making his Premier League debut and slotting in, like Cameron Archer, there's just, there's an awful lot to be excited about. And sometimes you do just have to look at the bigger picture, I think, than how a penalty shootout turns out. So that's my, uh, that's my final note. Fair enough. Seb, any final words? No. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and up the villa, do you want to give that? There you go. Yeah, sure. I mean, look, who knows? <laughs> we might win one nil with a Cameron Archer thunder strike, but Tom bringing up Louis Barry's goal has made me all reminiscent of. That was probably the goal I celebrated most last season, by the way. And we had some good goals to celebrate, but that's brought a positive memory to my mind. That's the thing, just similar, like that, that away end today, Archer scoring in front of that away end, like it's sometimes it's about the, the moments to celebrate, right? Um, it's a long season and we're going to have lots more of those sorts of moments, I think. So just let, I'm looking forward to the next one. Yeah. And I mean, someone as young as him, that's something you grew up wanting to do, like celebrating in front of a mass amount of fans and, Hopefully it's the first of uh, why, well, I mean, I guess it's the fourth of many for him in this cup competition, but um, you know, you guys all know what I mean, but anyways, guys, we'll wrap it up there. We've definitely been uh, going on for more than long enough. So thank you to Tom and to Seb for joining me. Of course, if you want to follow any of us on Twitter, of course, those are in the descriptions below of wherever you're getting this podcast. And of course, wherever you're listening, if they uh, have a uh, review system set up, if it's uh, Apple podcast, Spotify, Acast, um google podcast yada 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 i could list off like a hundred um well actually i couldn't but you know what i mean regardless uh, leave a, leave a positive review um it's very much appreciated and it's easier for others to find us in that purpose but anyways we'll leave it at that um and of course if you want to check it i should say um acorns their link is also in the description you can learn how to donate get involved with them and uh yeah we should have more uh, information on how you can get involved um, with the other kind of uh, thing we have going on with them very soon. But anyways, I'll stop branding, uh, ranting, I should say. Um, you can tell it's uh, past the work day for me and uh, I've been staring at a screen for too long. So I'll shut up. I'll leave it there. And don't forget up the villa. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. 
you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.